0: Monday morning to you. It is the 23rd of August, 2021. Grace, peace, and mercy to you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope you receive that this morning. Grace, peace, and mercy to you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace, that reality in which God, who is love and ever-loving, and God who is just where are those two realities, those two seemingly disconnected realities of God, God's holiness and God's love. How could God be totally holy and totally love and still be in a relationship with us, right? Because his holiness demands something that we cannot deliver and his love just overflows. Grace is where those two characteristics of God, two realities of who God is, two attributes of God's character, kiss at the cross. Grace. That's what grace is. So grace to you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And peace, the peace which surpasses all understanding the very peace of Christ, the peace of which the world does not know and apart from Christ cannot achieve peace, that kind of peace, a deep abiding peace to you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And mercy, mercy this day. Mercy new every morning from the great faithfulness of God. Mercy this day. Mercy to you this day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace, God's grace, peace, God's peace, mercy, God's mercy to you this day in the name and by the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to pray with me today for a number of people and situations. Kamal, who I met yesterday from Egypt, a new immigrant to the United States of America, fled Egypt because of the persecution of Coptic Christians there. Pray for Kamal and his family. Pray with me today for families suffering the loss of loved ones over this weekend. 22 people died in flash floods in Middle Tennessee, another 26 still missing this morning. Pray with me today for members of our fellowship right here on this show, who are facing trials and challenges and needs of various kinds. So for Ken and Janet, who's daughter delivered their second stillborn grandson, for Phyllis, who is ministering today to people who have have been victimized by satanic ritual abuse, for Susan, ministering today as a public school teacher in inner city Detroit, for Janelle, ministering today as a funeral director, for Dave, ministering today as a machinist, for Jen, special ed teacher, Uh, she had COVID in the spring, she got vaccinated, but she now has a breakthrough case and is quarantined from her class. For college freshmen seeking to find their place and their community on college campuses from coast to coast and all the campus ministries seeking to engage them. For my friend Megan, who ministers on behalf of an international, international aid ministry. For Jennifer, ministering in Togo, West Africa. For everyone listening this morning and all of the needs and concerns represented here in this family of faith. Let's pray this day. Let's bear them up in prayer before the Lord. Grace peace and mercy to you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll be
1: right back. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his
2: face toward you and give Every step of-
0: We've got our friend Dave Buring back today from Lion Share. You can find him at lionshare.org. Dave, welcome back.
2: Hey, Carmen. Good morning.
0: Good morning. So we've been roaming around um, for several weeks now in this conversation about spiritual warfare and the workplace, but it's really applicable to all of our relationships. Um, And I think we talked last time about maybe focusing in today on specifically using Scripture in spiritual warfare. So why don't you lead off with that?
2: Yeah, you know when we look at both um, Matthew 4 and Luke 4, that's the places where it talks about the temptation of Jesus. And and of course it wasn't the only time in his life he was he was tempted, but it focuses in on that. And Jesus fasts for 40 days, and the key thing in the takeaway of this is he's faces three different temptations one to act independently of of his heavenly Father, another one to abandon loyalty to his Father, and then, you know, the third one is just kind of a ridiculous test. And each time we see these words from Jesus, it is written, and he's quoting Scripture. And in this case, he quotes out of uh, Deuteronomy each time. And so, um, yeah, the Scriptures and kind of knowing what to do with that when we feel tempted, we feel discouraged, like one of our previous conversations, we talked about those five D's. If you feel like the enemy is trying to distort, distract, discourage, deceive, or divide relationships, the Scriptures is a great place to um, jump into to respond to those things.
0: Yeah. So, you know, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I feel feel like actually there's some evil presence or whatever, like I just, so I just respond to that, you know, in the name of Jesus, like in the name of Jesus, like, You know, right? Yes. This is a little bit different than that. However, this is scripture directed at the enemy, which is exactly what Jesus does. So, talk with us a little bit about when we're using scripture in spiritual warfare. We're not actually quoting it at other people. We're (laughs) we are (laughs) directing it as a weapon aimed at the enemy.
2: Yes, and Ephesians tells us to take the sword of the spirit. Which is the Word of God. So sometimes we new, use the analogy of the Scriptures being like a sword. Well, that's so that we can fend off these things. So let me let me give you one here, and then we can chat about it. So I, I've got three or four listed here that we can look at, because like you said, the 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 right response every time. Like, how can you go wrong with using the name of Jesus for sure? And we know that. And and sometimes we we just can try to come up with a random verse that we can apply to it. But I think, Carmen, one of the keys is learning to live the Scripture in our life, because then it, it becomes more readily available to us, because it's right there, we're living it. And so, for example, uh, one of the things that I think we need to do is is learn to better engage God's character in the Scriptures, again, his names, his titles, his attributes, to see what he's really like, to always know that he is for you, and to recognize attributes like he's the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come, how he's the living one or the Lord God Almighty, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I love this one sometimes in my life, the one who sits upon the throne and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And, but see, if we get to know God's character, then when the enemy comes with the old taunt of, you're not valuable, God doesn't love you, you can go right away back to Scripture and say, now what I know of God's character is, He is my Heavenly Father. And because He's my Heavenly Father, He loves me, He adores me, He cares about me. And you counter that lie about God's character through using the Scriptures.
0: I love that. I'm writing that down. I like the way you are leading us to not just prepare for like the memorization sword drill, like how mm-hmm. fast can right. I turn in the Bible to <laughs> right. a passage of scripture? Or, yeah. I mean, like that's that's one kind of sword drill. The other would be like, I have memorized a set of scriptures and I know how to bring them to mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What you're talking about is what it looks like to live the Word, the Mm -hmm. lived Word of God. And if I'm going to walk with Jesus, if I'm going to pattern my life after His, if I'm going to uh, be a temple in which His Spirit is pleased to dwell, if I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight, if I'm going to actually live this Christ life right here and right now— I think that's, that's what you're getting at in terms of using the Scripture in spiritual warfare, because I get to the place then that I recognize that this is, step by step, moment by moment, a spiritual uh, event that's taking place in mm-hmm. the here and now.
2: Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly right. And I think oftentimes we've been taught, you know, the principle of use the Scripture and use the name of Jesus, which we know is exactly right. But I think the the habit of being in the Scriptures enough so that in this this first one I'm I'm giving us that we're familiar with God's character, and, and it it's awesome because it aids our worship. So, for example, if you're mm. sitting there on a Sunday morning and say at church and you're engaging in a worship song, and that that song has something to do about God as a shepherd of your soul, and you have been reflecting on God as a shepherd, your worship your worship life goes up ten times you know? Um, and again, when when you're feeling like, hey, you know what, I have a need to pay a bill this week, and I just don't have it, to be able to go there and say, the Lord is my shepherd, and to recognize that he cares about us, he thinks about us, he moves on our behalf. It, it adjusts everything inside of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, El Shaddai comes to mind. All mm-hmm. right, Dave Buring and I are going to take a very, very brief break. When we come back, he's going to tell us what his three other takes are as we are seeking to live a more scriptural life or live more scripture in life as a part of uh, spiritual warfare in the workplace. We'll be right back. Continuing our conversation now with Dave Buring from Lionshare. Share. You can find him at lionshare.org. All right, Dave, you have offered up to us that we are going to become more familiar with the attributes and the character of God as one resource upon which we are going to draw in terms of uh, using Scripture actively in, in spiritual warfare. Um, what, what are your three other takes?
2: Well, so the next one would be, I, I say, seeking God's ways throughout the Scriptures. Now, let me define this. When I say the ways of God— I mean how God does stuff, all right? Like how he actually goes about doing it. When we talk about God's character, it's who he is. We talk about God's ways, it's how he does things, okay? So, for example, we know the Bible says, if you want to live, you must die to self. The reality is, if we want to walk in wisdom, we must fear the Lord. If we want to become great in God's kingdom, we become servants. Those are God's ways, which... Uh, we can note are often contrary to the world around us. So the second one, learning God's ways throughout the scriptures. Uh, for example, let me illustrate it this way. If Let's just say somebody has done something very bad to you, and there is kind of the desire for revenge in your heart. I'm just going to get back at that person. I'm going to teach them a lesson. Matter of fact, God will teach them a lesson through me, and we we start getting into that mode. How do I begin to shift When I know the enemy of my soul now is jumping on that and fueling that thing, that's where I need to say, okay, what what are God's ways here? And God's ways have to do with treating people with love, treating people with honor. We talked a while back, Carmen, on ministering in the opposite spirit. And see, that's God's ways. And when, when we apply God's ways in the midst of warfare type things, it works. God's ways are not only wonderful, they actually work, but we only can become familiar with God's ways to draw on them in those moments of warfare if we're in the Word and we're building a base inside of us of His ways.
0: Mm, Building a base inside of us of His ways. All right, so we are going to uh, focus on who he is, and we're going to focus on how God does stuff. What's next?
2: Mm -hmm. So the third one that I have, that that I've applied is observing God's works in Scripture. So, Mm. you know, we we constantly see God's acts on display, and it reveals who he is, it reveals what he's like, and, you know, the parting of the Red Sea reveals his power and protection. Uh, David's defeat of Goliath, for example, demonstrates God's ability to accomplish much through yielded vessels. So when we're living life and we have sinned and we know it and the enemy of our soul, again, he loves to fuel that stuff and keep us in that place of, of bondage and stuckness. It's a word I like to use. Well, one of the things we can do is, is go to the scriptures and observe God's works in scripture. And we see, for example, when David was in adultery or we see the woman caught in adultery and Jesus, how he dealt with her. He shows forgiveness. And and sometimes we need to go back to the scripture and observe how Jesus dealt with people, how God in the Old Testament dealt with people. And we see that when we come to him, we can do the 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So a a third way that we can use the Scriptures when we're dealing with spiritual warfare is observing God's works in Scripture and being able to apply those things in that moment in our life.
0: So I'm wondering if part of that uh, might also be observing God's Spirit, because Mm -hmm. then I get to, Mm -hmm. right, I get to make the connection there that the Spirit that's operating— uh, in in God in the Scriptures is the Spirit that's operating in Jesus is also the Spirit operating in me. Like there's a that's there's right. a bit of empowerment that goes on there Big when time. I think through that. All right. So what's uh, what's the fourth thing on your list?
2: So so the last one for me is listening to God's words in Scripture. So we're talking about engaging God's character, seeking His ways, observing God's works, and then listening to His words in Scripture. All right. So. When we listen to God's words again, we see His heart, we catch his heart in things. Let us make man in our own image in Genesis reveals God's heart for man and unveils the Trinity. Honor one another above yourself shares how we are to relate to each other. It's more blessed to give than receive. the Bible says it lets us know God's heart and his attitude towards giving of our lives to others so when we think of spiritual warfare in the scriptures, two verses come to my mind. There's more, but these are two good ones. First John 4, 4, God's words say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. All right. So we're using words, God's words in scripture. And then Luke 10, 19, we hear Jesus say, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. And so, just for example, learning those two verses, because they're coming from God's Word, so it's listening to God's words in Scripture, things He says, then it's taking those things and knowing that that is authoritative, and you can stand on that. So that's my fourth one.
0: Yeah, there seems to be a lot here, uh, Dave, in terms of not just reading the Bible as if it is um, a book, a mm-hmm. uh, or even God's revelation of himself, mm-hmm. but that it is also designed to be that with which we are equipped for the warfare that God knows is before us as spiritual people in the world today.
2: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I, in in a lot of the discipling and equipping and teaching that I do in different parts of the country, and at times different parts of the world, it's the same with most people. We, we, um, have oftentimes not taken the time to get to know God's character and his ways in Scripture, we we use it as a a resource or a reference point in a time of need. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something deeper, I think, God invites us into. And it's walking with him. It's knowing him so that in that given moment, like I have been walking recently through some discouragement that has come my way. But in the midst of that, I'm constantly reminding myself that My heavenly father loves me, is with me, and there's a point to all this. There's something here he's going after either in my heart or building in me, or there's something that he's doing. So it causes me not to go from discouragement into depression, but it keeps me at a place where I can lift my head and go, catch a breath and go, okay, you're with me in this. And the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And so when the enemy tries to fuel that, I can kind of do the, Haw, you know, and, and be ready for that attack. And you didn't see my hands move like in a karate gesture when I did that sound, but that's what I was doing. And the reality is, it pulls me up and out of that. And so I think that's where we have to realize God has given us his word. It's real. It's revealing of himself. And he invites us to walk with him.
0: This is what comes to mind as you say that uh, there's this mental exercise where I'm setting my mind on things that are above, where I am allowing Christ to take every thought captive by the power of His Spirit, where mm-hmm. I'm guarding my heart, where I am mm-hmm. guarding my tongue as well, where I am allowing my mind um, to recognize the difference between truth and a lie, and therefore the one who is the truth and the one who is a liar, um, the, the real Father who, who sets before me life, and the father of lies who would seek to destroy and kill me. And mm-hmm. that's a part of what you're talking about here. That's the lived Scripture in a person's life.
2: Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And and it means we have to be a bit disciplined, you know, to be really honest. It's, it's, are we in the Word? Like, here's one of the ways, Carmen, and I look at it. The Holy Spirit can only pull out of me in that given moment of time what I've allowed him to put in me by being in the word. Like, I, I can't expect something to be pulled out of me that's not in there. And so part of it is loading up, so to speak, on, you know, the word so that, because there are, there are times in my life where I've been talking with someone and, and this verse comes out and later I go, now, how did that, and it's just because of the cycles of, you know, whether it's reading the word or studying the word or reflecting on the word, it gets in there. And then the Holy Spirit has something to draw upon.
0: Amen. That's so good. Dave Buring from Lionshare. You can find him at Lionshare.org. There's some great resources that are available for free right there as gifts. They're downloadable. One of them is spiritual warfare in the workplace. We've been talking about it for uh, several, several times that that Dave's mm-hmm. been with us. So, Dave, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen.
2: You're welcome. Have a great day.
0: You too. We'll be right back. All right, we're going to talk with Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College, catch up on, well, I would say U.S. diplomatic efforts in Afghanistan, but we're also going to talk about student debt and the Texas ban on second trimester dismembership, dismemberment excuse me, abortions. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
2: Like New Year's Day, the start of a new school year is the perfect time for parents and teenagers to recharge, regroup, and make resolutions. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. School has become a much more demanding environment for our kids than it was for us. They're faced with constant pressure to outperform their peers academically, socially, and athletically. Is it any wonder that all they want to do when they get home is to disengage, play video games, and watch TV? So take a close look at the environment in your home. Is it a place for peace and rest or just another source of stress? This school year, make a resolution to create a home that'll be a safe haven from the pressures of school. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store.
0: Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Adam, welcome back. Paul? Oh, I can't hear him. It's like it's calling him. All right, so um, chaos continues to reign at the Kabul airport in Afghanistan. Tens of thousands of people um, are there waiting to escape The Taliban rule, Uh, dozens of U.S. military transport jets are expected to land there today. The plan is to continue removing individuals from the facility, some 20,000 of them. The U.S. Defense Department is mobilizing commercial airline flights to help with evacuations. It's my understanding that those commercial airliners are going to be sent to uh, places like Qatar, now completely overwhelmed with uh, evacuees in order that you know that space and place can be cleared out that then more people can uh, be shuttled from Kabul to Qatar um and other places as well. All right, do we have Adam now? All right, still still working on that. Um so here's apparently one of the complicating uh, realities. So you have to have this, you know, these sheets of paper that not only identify you but uh but verify that you are a person with a special immigrant visa that you are who you say you are, and that the people with you are who they say they are, because, you know, right, we're taking whole families out. And obviously, you know, some people, you know, in the mad rush to 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 get away, or along the way, those papers have been lost or stolen or whatever. And so the, you know, the the State Department thought, well, let's just issue electronic documents. Well, the challenge is at least one of those electronic documents that was sent out went out with no names and no document numbers, and then people copied those visas electronically and sent them to other people who didn't have authorization to be at the airport, and thus the crush of humanity at the airport, which now exists in Kabul. So some families are reportedly so desperate to leave that they are being split up, boarding flights to different countries. Just imagine that for a moment. You thought it was hard to imagine uh, the separation that has happened at the U.S. southern border where, you know, some children and some parents were separated from each other. Well, at least they're still all in the United States of America. In this particular case, there are people in Kabul so desperate to get out. One of them is getting on a flight, you know, that is that is sent in by the Spanish and another one getting on a flight sent in by the Australians. And they are literally going to end up half a world away from each other, but they are desperate to get out of Afghanistan. And so I think that as we... Um, think about what is happening there, and we consider our role as Americans in it. And you say to yourself, I don't have a role in that. Um, Yes, you do by default, and so do I. And so we need to consider how we are going to prayerfully support those who are engaged uh, in this effort. I have been, my heart has been going out to, and I have been praying not only, obviously, for the people desperate to get out, but for members of the U.S. military as they, uh, you know, you see them standing there and there's only so much they can do. And there's a lot they cannot do. And I imagine that that is creating um, heartbreak for many of them. And so let our hearts break with that which breaks the heart of God, the desperation of the people of Afghanistan. I do want to commend many U.S. uh, corporations, particularly news organizations, but also nonprofits, NGOs, that have been uh, working very diligently to evacuate people from Afghanistan. So there's groups representing, um, you know, all kinds of private industry as well as ministries that are working to get people out of Afghanistan, and they are doing so in some pretty extraordinary ways, and so we want to commend that as well. Um, All right, Adam is now uh, with us, Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Welcome, sir.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. And, and uh, if this is any indication when classes start, I'm I'm done for if I try to show a video uh, with technology. Yeah, well, <laughs>
0: there you go. Just, you know, just show up live, dude, and, you know, just <laughs> do what's necessary. You're good. You're good. We're glad to have you. Um, so we've been talking a little bit about Afghanistan, looking for, just looking for you to add your thoughts uh, into the mix here this morning.
1: Right. Of course, there's so much one could say about it. And I think that Regardless of what one thinks about whether we should have uh, left or whether or what the timetable should have been, uh, it just seems hard to think that this is this is the way it's supposed to go. Uh, And I Mm. think you can have differing opinions on the question of leaving and say that uh, I I don't understand how we can have this many Americans still in there, not out yet, um, how there couldn't have been a contingency plan for if the Afghan government and military fell as quickly as it did. And um, obviously, we're, we should all be very concerned about the many people who are about to come or coming under oppression. And I think for the Biden administration, just thinking about it politically, and I think if anything happens to Americans, this goes from something that at first I think was fairly popular uh, to get out and and end after being there 20 years to a political disaster, and deservedly so, given that one of the first things that a president should do is protect American lives and also, I think, have some responsibility for allied lives that I think are already in deep, deep danger from the reports we're getting.
0: Yeah, and this is going to be an unfolding story. So, you know, we're going to we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the program with Mindy Bells. Um, she has some reporting from on the ground. So I just want to let folks know we're not, you know, we're not uh, moving away from this conversation entirely today. But Adam, while I've got you here, I'd love to talk with some things happening here in the United States. Uh, the president took some action on student debt. Tell people what, uh, what has happened and your perspective on that.
1: Right. Of course, we've got approaching $2 trillion in student debt that have been incurred to get loans to go to schools across the country. And that seems like a bubble that might burst at some point. Well, we'll probably have to. What the president has done is not done anything about the vast majority of it, but he forgave about $5.8 billion worth of It's Wild to say $5.8 billion is not a big amount of something, but uh, he forgave $5.8 billion of a student uh, loan debt to the federal government for those with permanent disabilities. And this is, uh, there. Are, there is a part of federal law that gives him some leeway to make that determination for that specific group. What's, I think the bigger question is there are obviously, for those pay, have been paying attention, a big push to make this a forgiveness of all or most student loan debt that is out there. And I think that um, that is going to be a much bigger question. There's, of course, we could talk about questions of legality. Uh, Even House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said she doesn't see any legal authority for the president to do that alone. She thinks Congress has to. Uh, Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, disagrees. And the other thing is, if something like that really does get serious, I think we're going to have to have a very important conversation about the role of making and keeping promises, making and keeping faith with each other. Um, These are debts that were incurred uh, for a certain purpose with the promise to pay back. And if you go and look back to the American founding, they had a clause that kept states from changing the obligation of contracts that were, that were entered into in their states and they made it a lot more than a question of capitalism or free markets or or making money they said contract keeping is a big part of what it means to be a self-governing moral people and we have to protect the sanctity of contracts because in some ways our marriages our uh, membership in civic organizations even our social compact with each other as a nation is based on a kind of promise-keeping with each other. And so while this is a small thing, what people are pushing for, for the bigger part, is I think a question we need to be asking very seriously because I think it could have very destabilizing things or ramifications, not just economically but socially.
0: So I think on that, Adam, this would be my assignment to everyone today. Um, Stop talking about contracts and stop talking about loans and start talking about promissory notes. Everyone that we're talking about here signed a promissory note. They signed a document that contained a written promise that they would pay a stated sum to a specified person at a specific date or, you know, in some cases on demand. They made a promise. Let's start using, let's resurrect or redeem or, I don't know, re-engage the language of promissory notes these aren't just, you know, contracts. These are promises that were made. So uh, maybe maybe we could influence the conversation today simply by making a linguistic change in our own speaking and thinking as we talk about this issue. We're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, I am going to ask Adam about what's going on in the state of Texas, where there is a ban on second trimester dismemberment abortions. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. <laughs> All right. The very fact that we're going to have a conversation about the reality of something called dismemberment abortions in the United States of America um, is heartbreaking. But that is the conversation that we are having. The Fifth Circuit has upheld the state of Texas ban on second trimester dismemberment abortions. Um, Adam, it breaks my heart that we're having this conversation. um, But what do we need to know?
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people are going to be looking at the bigger Supreme Court case coming up. That said, this is a victory for the pro-life movement. The Fifth Circuit, as you said, uh, upheld the Texas law. The Texas law said that you cannot do second trimester abortions if the act that actually brings the death of the unborn child is, and again, it's it's hard to talk about, uh, the dismemberment of the child and uh, one thing that I think is important for this is it, the, the debate was held within the context of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, so it wasn't trying to challenge the main abortion precedents. But a thing that the court pointed out that I think is helpful to the pro-life movement is it, it said there is a place for upholding the dignity of the unborn, respect for life, respect for medical ethics. And they basically said, without saying, that – Something like this, if something like this doesn't reach the level of of a, an act that undermines our respect for both human life and for medical professionals and medical ethics, they don't know what else does. In fact, they quoted that there's actually laws against dismembering animals. There's laws against dismembering um, uh, um, criminals in, in acts of you know, so you're not torturing. They said all of this is merely due is, is extending the same protections to innocent, unborn children. So I think that while um, this is a smaller thing in the realm of the broader abortion wars, I think um, the argument that gets made and, and bringing the gruesomeness of this uh, to the public is, I think, an effective societal argument to say that uh, this is really happening. in, in uh, there were several thousand of them. The last year they had uh, information for it in Texas, and I think it's something that we need to bring to the forefront to be able to have this conversation in an honest way and honestly look at what this is doing to uh, so many people in our society.
0: All right, Congress is back. Uh, The House returns to take up, I suppose, the budget, certainly voting rights, um, infrastructure, Democrats are divided um, over some of these things. Some of them are saying, "Hey, we're we're going to oppose the budget until and unless the infrastructure vote takes place." What you know? What should we be watching in Washington?
1: You'll, you'll need to be watching um, Nancy Pelosi's uh, negotiating skills and how well she can hold her caucus together. So remember, the Democrats have very little margin for error in the House. They don't have many votes to spare. And what you have is the more moderate wing of the Democratic Party, who's worried about their reelection in non-safe districts, wants the infrastructure bill to be voted on separately and independently. The progressive wing wants it tied to the budget, which is going to include, if when it goes through the House, a a much more expansive uh, list of more left-leaning policies and priorities, and this voting rights bill that. It's similar to HR one that's been been going through, and what uh, and so what'll be interesting is there's been some movement where it looks like at least some of the moderate Democrats have caved. It's not clear if it's enough to switch the entire uh, process, but the thing to keep in mind keep in, in 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 mind is it will Pelosi be able to hold it together because her plan is to vote on all three together. It's going to be a haul and. We're just going to see because if this collapses, then really the main priorities of President Biden's first term basically are are seem to be dead in the water. So I think uh, there's a lot going into this and a lot going into will the Democrats have something they want to take to the American people for the 2022 elections. Um, so very interesting what's going to happen over the next month or two in trying to hammer this out or if it gets hammered out at all.
0: Yeah, the other thing that I'm watching is uh, what will the backlash be and how will um how will it how will this be resolved if the president makes good on his announcement last Wednesday that nursing homes have to require every worker to be vaccinated um in order con- that in order to continue receiving Medicare and Medicaid funds like the beneficiaries of those Medicare and Medicaid funds are the end user. I mean that's the patient in the bed. And so um, I just going to find it interesting when those facilities can't staff themselves, and the states then have to shut them down because they can't staff them. Where do all those people go? Um, and the end user is the person about whom we should be ultimately most concerned. And so I I I think that's coming. We got you know 1.3 million staffers across the country, 15,000 nursing homes. Um, in the crosshairs of this very political fight related to COVID, va- COVID, vaccinations, and I think that's a there's a that's a toxic brew, and so um, I'm watching that one as well.
1: Yep, I think uh, there'll probably be some religious liberty claims in the courts too, which will be interesting based on mandatory vaccinations, and it's not clear. I think where the court might go on that as well. So it could be both a a fight across the branches and across levels of government about what's the best response to this. And I think you're right, a, 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 the, if an unintended consequence is that facilities give worse care or shut down, then that could be a, a big backlash among a constituency that the Democrats are very much wanting to keep in their pocket, you know, keep, keep on their side. And just the question will be, are people actually getting hurt or helped by these policies, too?
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. All right, Dr. Adam Carrington, as always, thank you so much. You guys can find um, Adam uh, at Hillsdale College. You can also find him on Twitter. Give us your handle because I don't have it up in front of me.
1: Uh, Carrington AM.
0: Hmm, Carrington AM, like bright and early in the morning. All right, Adam, we'll talk with you soon.
1: Thanks for having me. Have a good day, everyone.
0: You too. We'll be right back. All right. If you go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on Programs and you scroll down, you will find a post there entitled Waves of Grief and Hope. It includes the entirety of the message from our neighbor, Jeremy Seaton, who gave me permission not only to read what he wrote to us uh, on air last week, but also for me to post it, uh, you know, in a published form on the website. So for those of you who were asking for and interested in a physical copy of what I read um, on Thursday of last week in relationship to grief and hope and the waves, the waves that come, Um, that is posted right now at MyFaithRadio.com. You click on Programs. Uh, Obviously, you choose Mornings with Carmen. I mean, the other ones are great as well, but this one happens to be posted here, and you scroll down on the page until you see uh, the blogs, which this one starts with Waves of Grief and Hope. That's what you're looking for. Um, So it has been a blessing to our family. I hope it is a blessing to you and your family as well. I'll go ahead and put it out on all my socials in case you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, and you could um, find the link super easy there as well. MyFaithRadio.com. Programs, Mornings with Carmen. Scroll down. Waves of Grief and Hope. All right. In the next hour, we are going to have a conversation with Mindy Bells. She has been talking with people on the ground in Afghanistan. We'll also talk with Kevin Butcher from Rooted Ministries about his new book, Free. we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio.